You know, today is a day that was uh, proclaimed by Franklin Graham uh, that he was asking churches all over to uh, join together and pray for our nation. Now, you know, we may not agree with everything that our leaders do, but you know what? We have, we have an obligation to pray for those leaders and to pray that God can do something. And we're, we're, going, to, we're going to be believing the Lord together today. And uh, we're going to pray for our nation. And uh, I, I just, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. How many knows that? As, as, as much as some of those people you want to pull through the TV screen and shake them, Choke them a little bit. You know, that's not the answer. <laughs> we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. That's what Paul said. So we're, we're in, a, in a situation where we're going to have to pray and believe God for our nation. And we're going to do that today before we leave. Amen? Amen. Amen. How many have got your Bibles with you? Amen. Praise God. If you don't, we've got one up here on the screen for you. <laughs> because we've got a lot of Scripture. I want you to read along with me today and see it. Praise God. Uh, but, you know, I, you know, since this is a day of prayer for our nation, I, w- I want to just minister something this morning. Not only will it bless you to pray for the nation, but it'll bless you to know that you can have effective prayer in your prayer life every day. And uh, James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. See, leaving in the kingdom of God is not just basking in the presence of God and enjoying all the blessings as a child of God. Some people think that that's what church is. You know, we, we just come and get happy and sing and praise God. But listen, what happens when we go out that door? See, when we go out that door, we've got to still keep that same joy, that same peace, that same happiness, that same dedication to God as we do when we're here. Now, th- now how many understand why I'm not saying don't do that? I, it, it thrilled me to life. I used to say thrill me to death, but that thrill, it thrilled me to life. Amen. If if uh, Brother Kruger started just dancing down this aisle for us today. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hey, sometimes in in his want to, he wants to. <laughs> but one day the Holy Ghost will just zap him and say, there it goes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But God can do it. But Jesus has made it possible for us to enjoy our position in life, enjoy our position in the kingdom of God as a child of God, to be free from condemnation. Aren't you glad that? Aren't you glad? Listen, if you're saved, if you've confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you have been born again, that's what that's what happens. Is what you're, you're born again. Now, mind you, there's some people that go through a ritual, and it doesn't come from their spirit. But when you do it from your heart. Isn't that what Paul said? Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you'll be saved. So we have to get it in our heart. So Jesus made it possible for us to enjoy this because we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. That word righteousness is a powerful word. It's as though you're, you never sinned is what it means. It's, we have, he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God through Him in Christ Jesus, through Him. And so, He became what we were so we could become what we are not. <laughs> Amen. But when we accept the Lord, guess what? We have the righteousness of God in our hearts and lives. We have the right. Doesn't, how, many, how many times have you tried to pray? And the devil says, well, you don't have no right to pray. Don't you remember you got mad the other day and kicked the dog, you know? <laughs> I hope it wasn't your wife, but the dog, you know. Now, how many ever went to the Lord's prayer and the devil hits you with something that, and tries to bring something, or maybe something that happened 39 years ago, 59 years ago, 
you know, whatever it might be. And he tries to bring it up and say, you have no right. Well, we do have a right. We have a right to believe God. And my praying is going to be effectual because of the fact I know who I am in Christ. He became sin so that I could become righteous. And thank God for that. Amen? Now, we have to learn how to pray fervently. Fervently. Now, I've seen some people say, Man, I've been praying hard. And I'm trying to figure out what praying hard is. I don't know what praying hard is, beating your head on the altar or, uh, you know, or, or beating the fist on the altar. You know, I, I don't know if that's, I don't know what they mean by praying hard sometimes, but <laughs> I think what they want to say is I've been praying fervently. Yeah. Fervently. And so, <laughs> God wants us to learn how to pray fervently. And, and our main weapon is a prayer offense a prayer offensive is a keen knowledge and application of Scripture. In other words, the way we're going to get through successfully in, in our life, when you're fighting the obstacles that the devil puts in front of you and fighting the things that the devil throws your way, what's going to get you through is knowing and having a keen knowledge and an application of the Scriptures by declaring them verbally. We can't just think something. We've got to say it. He said, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you're saved. Right? So we've got to get our mouth engaged, speaking the Word and speaking what we believe. Now somebody said, well, what about a deaf mute? Well, there's ways that they can talk. There's ways that they can commu- uh, communicate. Uh, uh, I've seen deaf people do their sign language. I've seen deaf people get saved by doing sign language and doing the prayers and that they confess the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then I've seen those same deaf people be healed. Praise God. See, God can do it. But regardless, we've got to get a verbal communication coming out of our mouth if we're going to pray fervently. Praying fervently is not just praying, Lord, I sure hope you hear me. Lord, I sure hope you know where I am. Lord, I sure hope you know that uh, if I don't get a miracle, I don't know what I'm going to do. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Well, I mean, we're using our voice, but we're not using it for our benefit. We have to begin to use our voice and our words and declare verbally the Word of God, just the same way that Jesus fought the devil when the devil came to him to tempt him on the Mount of Temptation. What did Jesus do? He didn't say, oh, Lord God in heaven, oh, Father, what uh, that I feel the evil one. I feel the devil. Lord, what am I going to do? No. The devil just came and said, look, if you're the Son of God, and Jesus said, It is written. Everything the devil tempted him with, he came back with the Scripture. The Scripture. Now, what Scripture did Jesus have? He had the Old Covenant and the Old Covenant teaching and the Old Covenant promises that God made for us. Listen, those covenant promises to the Old Testament is ours. Jesus fulfilled everything that needed to be fulfilled so that we could have those blessings of the covenant. Those blessings of the covenant are ours, and we can confess Jesus Christ as Lord, and we can walk in victory with Him. But we have to declare it verbally. Jesus taught the disciples to pray this way. He said, pray like this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, even as it is in heaven. Now what was He doing? He was getting them to verbally speak something. The Lord's Prayer is a powerful prayer. You ought to take it sometime and just go verse by verse with it and see what the Lord's Prayer is saying. But it's a powerful prayer that we can use as individuals. And He said, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, listen, that's a powerful statement. I said, that's a powerful statement. If the devil's attacking your family and attacking your home, you've got the right to call on the Lord and say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in this earth even as it is in heaven. 
We've got the right to call on God our healer. We've got the right to call on God our provider. We've got the right to call on God our defense against the powers of darkness. But we have to verbally speak it. Verbally say what the Word says. You can't just sit there and think. What are you doing, Brother Clarence? I'm believing. Believing is two, two forms. You've got to have it in your heart, and you've got to say it with your mouth. Hallelujah. If you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth. So, it, it, there's, a, there's two things that we have to do as Christians today. I, and, and there's nothing wrong. You know, I know a lot of times in the public arena, in the public places, they say, could you bow your heads in a moment of silent prayer? And I mean, you could hear a pin drop. Only one time I was in this public place where they was doing that, and I was, I was about four or five people down from another Pentecostal. And they couldn't keep quiet. And they kind of egged me on. And we got to praying a little bit louder, you know. Praise God. And people kind of, what are y'all doing? (laughs) This is supposed to be silent prayer. I want to tell you something. Devil don't come silently, and we're not going to let him come in. And we're not going to be silent when he tries to come in. We're going to take our authority in the name of Jesus and verbally speak out loud with our mouth. Praise God. And speak what God says. Now, prayer is an incredible privilege, and yet it's an awesome responsibility. It can move the hand of God in situations where there's no other hope. I mean, this is what prayer can do. I'm talking about real prayer. I'm talking about real prayer. I'm talking about getting down to business with God. I'll never forget... My, my brother-in-law was sick. He had cancer. And uh, he was in the hospital. And he was in Beaumont, Texas. We went down to visit him. And, and we, we went in there. And, and uh, you know, I, I didn't try to just intrude. He had uh, his, his best friend was there who was a preacher. And his best friend was there and encouraged him. They were kind of sharing stories back and forth for a little bit. And... and uh, and and then this 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 preacher wanted to pray, and he took off, and he scared me at first. I mean, I wasn't expecting him to shout at the top of his voice right there, you know, in the hospital room. Y- y'all know, y'all know. <laughs> I mean, I jumped, <laughs> and uh, I mean, he was just uh, just uh, going to town, and just I mean, just. But it was a religious thing behind it. It, it wasn't it wasn't a faith element. It was more of a, and listen, I'm, let me, let me just clarify something here. I believe anybody ought to use their liberty to pray the way they want to pray. And if somebody's loud when they pray, that's good. I get loud when I pray. I get loud when I preach. Amen? But, but how many understands what I'm saying? Sometimes there's a, a religious prayer, and then there's that faith prayer. And I'm, I mean, he's just going to town, and I mean, I'm sitting here, okay, okay, Lord, I'm going to have to straighten this out when he gets down, calms down a little bit. And I'll, I'll straighten it out, Lord. I'll just say, I was getting ready to do my thing, you know, my, my spiritual thing. And he got done, and all of a sudden, this friend of his, this preacher, he just draped himself over his friend in the bed and just wept. And he just began to say, Lord, we just need a miracle. <laughs> In other words, he wasn't producing the miracle by all of his antics. The miracles produced when we finally rely totally on God. And we can verbally speak with our mouth. And he did it with a contrite, broken spirit before the Lord. And I mean the Spirit of God come down. My brother-in-law was touched. I mean, he felt a touch of God in his body that day. Amen. I, I, I backed off and I said, Lord, forgive me for judging. 
Forgive me for judging. See, we, I can't judge nobody by what they do and how they do it. I, they may be judging me by the way I do things. I don't know, you know, but the thing is, uh, uh, I think my way's right, you know, but <laughs> you can laugh on that one. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you know, we judge each other on that situation rather than just letting the words articulate out of our mouth in faith. And love and let the power of God come. It's not us doing it anyway. It's God's power that's going to do it. I can't shake a healing in somebody. I can't slap a healing in somebody. But I can sure articulate my words to the Master. And I can do what the Word says, lay hands on the sick. And we can believe God for supernatural things to happen. We can believe God for God to do what we need Him to do as we just come before the Lord and understand what it is. Amen? See, biblical prayer is crying out to God out of the depths of our heart. It's pouring our soul out before God. I think my wife preached on, uh, who was Samson's, uh, I mean, not Samson, but uh, Samuel's mother was Hannah, Hannah, Hannah. You know, she went into the temple and she was so enthralled in her prayers that she wasn't, it wasn't just anything coming out physically or verbally, but her lips were moving, but her spirit was travailing, and her spirit was calling on the Lord. And Eli, the priest, saw it. He saw that, and he said, let it be granted, you know. And God granted her desire. God granted the desire. Because why? Because of her praying unto the Lord. Praying. Fervently. Fervently praying. Praise God. How do, sometimes people are fervently praying and you don't even know they're fervently praying. Amen? You know what? Prayer is between you and God. I should be concerned about what you think about what I'm saying and what I'm praying. I shouldn't even be concerned about that. It's between me and God. And God looks at our heart. And He looks at where we are. But we still need to learn how to articulate and verbalize what we're wanting Him to do. And say it with our mouth. And not only that, but say we believe you, Lord. Quote the Scripture with that need. Quote the Scripture concerning that situation. There's Scriptures for every situation in our life. And we can find Scriptures on that and quote it and speak it. There's Life is in the Word. The life is in the Word. Can you say Amen. The Bible said James 5.16 was our key text. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effectual, fervent prayer. Uh, when a person's right with God, his prayers are tremendous. <laughs> How many knows when you know you're right with God, you just know that you're touching God? Amen. When you know everything's right, you just know it's okay. Now, the conditions for that promise is when a person's right with God and prays sincerely. And sincerely prays. Not religiously, but sincerely prays. Then God hears and God answers. See, our natural tendency is to shrink back when it comes to praying for the impossible. How, how many has ever had something that looks like it's an impossible situation and, and you kind of shrink back a little bit and say, Oh, Lord. I, I, I've actually been in services and and someone come up for prayer, and somebody I, you you could hear somebody. Well, here's a test case. I wanna I wanna get the ushers and get that dabber out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but I never did do that because you know what God doesn't. It doesn't matter to the Lord. God will show Himself and and show Himself real in spite of the doubters and everything else that's there. You know what He's listening for? He's listening for an intent cry from the from the heart of the person. And He's listen. God can hear our cry, our whisper, whatever it might be. God sees the heart. Hallelujah. And when that heart is pure before God, God's going to do some good things. Amen. Now. See, sometimes we think we're the ones that's making things happen in prayer. Ooh. Sometimes we think, boy, what would that church do without me? Hmm. Boy, I tell you what, I make that service. Man, I, I tell you what, I don't know what they'd do without me. Well, I know we'd probably do a whole lot better. 
Are y'all still with me this morning? I'm just talking about getting our attitudes right. Amen. We've we got to have a great attitude when we're approaching the Lord. Not that, hey, look at me, I'm somebody. And I'm not, listen, I don't make, I can't make anything happen. I, I've seen some preachers shake them. Glory to God. I said, well, that's okay if God tells them to do that. But the shaking's not healing them. The stripes of Jesus 2,000 years ago was what paid the price for the healing. And it's faith in God and faith in the Lord and faith in what he can do that's going to cause the miracle to happen. Amen. God alone is going to get glory, not man. Amen. Now, we're to see ourselves as instruments of the Lord for accomplishing his purposes through prayer. See, prayer is an act of obedience. And a privilege for the believer. Prayer is an act of obedience and a privilege for you as a believer. We have to pray. Jesus taught that. When you pray, enter into your secret closet of prayer. Pray in secret and I'll reward you openly. Sometimes, you know, we want to make sure everybody's heard our prayer, you know. <laughs> I had a friend of mine, J.W. May and his wife, bless their hearts. They're all both going on to be with the Lord right now, but uh, thank you. He, he preached. He, he didn't just talk about Azusa Street. He were, he were there, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but he, and he, he went to Azusa Street many times. But uh, God ministered through him. I mean, minister to him. They, and his wife was telling us this story one time at Thanksgiving. He had come over for dinner with us. And she said, you know, we went out to Los Angeles and we was in this church there. And, and we, were, we, were, we were in desperate need for some finances. But, but we knew they would take care of us. But, you know, they was receiving the offerings for us. And, and we really had some needs. And, 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 and J.W. May, now he's a man. He was just a man of God and a man of prayer. He said, look. He, he just said, you just settle down. You know, God has never failed us yet. And so one day, this, they'd been there for about two weeks and they needed some money. <laughs> and so she found out where they were counting the money in the room. And they had thin walls back then. You know, this was back in the 40s, 30s, somewhere along there. And, and they had thin walls. And so she went in there. She told J.W. May, she said, I'm going to go in there and pray. So she got right there by that thin wall. And she said, oh, Lord, you know we've got some needs. And, Lord, we know these people are good people. And we know they've been giving offerings for the Lord and for our ministry. And, God, we just need some of that money. And she's just praying. Well, they heard her praying next door. And so she come out of their prayer room. And they said, Sister May, we feel like we need to give you all some money. <laughs> well, <laughs> sometimes we get in the way, too. <laughs> but, but anyway, she, she got her prayers answered. Hallelujah. They, <laughs> Aren't you glad I'm not a beggar? You're not going to ever catch me begging for nothing. Amen? Amen. If I have a need, you're not going to know about it. Hallelujah. I, I'm not going to let nobody know. We, we've done that. I've done that all my life, you know. And I'm, I'm not going to be a poor mouther. Preachers have a bad reputation anyway, you know, of being poor mouthers. And, uh, you know, uh, to be poor is to be humble, you know. And uh, that, That's a bunch of hogwash. Some, some people have the idea. They said, come on, preacher, we'll, we'll, keep, you, we'll keep you poor so you'll be humble. <laughs> Thank God. I tell you what, we thank God for this church. I would take care of us royally. Amen. <laughs> we're not, I mean, I understand we're not complaining about that. I'm just saying what, how people's attitude towards prayer is and their perception of things. 
And we're commanded to pray, but we're, we're also invited to bring our needs before the Lord. Bring your things before God. We're going to see God do something. We anchor ourselves in the faithfulness and the promises of God. That makes, how many serves a faithful God today? And, and uh, we see the very fact that God commands us to pray is a foundation for effectiveness in our prayer. In other words, God wouldn't tell us to do something if it wasn't going to do you no good, right? What did he say? Be ye holy, for I am holy. And then he tells us to pray and anchor ourselves in the faithfulness and promises of God. And we can come before the Lord humbly and boldly and say, Lord, thank you that you're my provider. Thank you that you're my healer. Thank you that you're the, uh, the one that mends all the relationships. You're the one that does it all. Thank the Lord for that because he's the one that's doing it. Sometimes we hesitate to pray because we don't think it's going to do any good. <laughs> Amen? I'm just giving you some thoughts, food for thought this morning. Sometimes we hesitate to pray because we say, well, I prayed before and it didn't happen. Well, I'm, I'm going to say this. If you prayed before and it hasn't happened, just ask, well, maybe we didn't pray in faith or in confidence. I should say confidence. Confidence. We, how many's got confidence in God today? Amen. God knows where we are. God will keep us. God will preserve us. We've had losses in our life. I've had losses in my life. We've all had losses in our life. But you know what? God's never forsaken us. And one thing that stuck in my mind was this one thought that my wife gave me before she passed away. And she said, God said he's taking me home. And she said, there's no expiration date. God is the only one that has the expiration date. God's the only one that says, come home. Hallelujah. And when God says, come home, listen, we've had some loved ones here in our church. God said, come home. And they've came home. But you know what? We sorrow here. But the thing is, we can rejoice in the hope that we have as believers. The hope is that when we leave this earth, we're in the presence of God. Paul said, for me to die is gain. (laughs) Glory to God. And listen, some, well, you know, but yet we miss people. But you know, that's where prayer comes in, and God can become your solace, your power, your partner, your 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 peace, your love, your joy. He can become all of these things if we'll allow Him to do it. Amen. But we have to allow God to do it. Now, let's take a look at the woman of Cana. In Matthew, the 15th chapter, there's a story here about a woman of Canaan calling on Jesus to deliver her daughter. How many, how many, how many got loved ones you feel like need some deliverance today? You have some sons, daughters, nephews, uncles, aunts, grandsons, great grandsons. <laughs> a woman of Canaan, behold, came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. Now, that was rude, wasn't it? And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See, back then, anybody not part of the house of Israel was considered a a dog, an outsider. And she came and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, you you know, we got, how many's ever said that scripture said, what's Jesus saying? Give it to the dogs. Uh, The dogs is a byword. It was a byword for the Gentiles, from the Jews to the Gentiles. It was a byword. Uh, We've we've got bywords for people of different nationalities. Y'all understand what I'm saying? We've got that same prejudice in our hearts many times for the other nationalities 
and people that are just as close to God as we are, maybe even closer. But Jesus was given an illustration here. He said it's not good to take the children's bread, which was the Israelites at that time, and cast it to the dogs. And she said, now listen, she reached forward in faith here. And she said, yes, Lord. This is truth. <laughs> yes. Even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. She reached forth in faith. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Glory to God. Somebody said, Brother Clarence, what are you talking about? I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about the effectiveness of prayer. Effectual, fervent prayer of a believer. And we've got a fervent prayer. Uh, Peter was waiting in prison, waiting his execution. They captured him. Listen, we, we, we think we've had it, we've got it bad if somebody calls us names. Holy rollers. Go over there, those old holy rollers. And we think that's just terrible. But during Peter's day, from the day of Pentecost on, when the church was actually established, and the day of Pentecost on, persecution came. Stephen was stoned for his faithfulness to God. Stoned. Paul was one of the main ones standing there holding the coats of the men when Stephen was stoned. He heard Stephen say, I see Jesus <laughs> standing at the right hand of the Father. Glory to God. I bet you those words were haunting Paul when he was on the road to Damascus that day. And Jesus said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? <laughs> why are you doing this? And God touched him that day. God called him that day. And Ananias came and laid hands on him. He received his sight and received the Holy Ghost. And from that day forth, Saul of Tarsus became Paul the Apostle. Praise God. God changed him all the way around. Can you say amen? But Peter was waiting on his crucifixion. I mean, for, for uh, his execution. And nothing could save him. He was there. And, and he was put in the inner prison, the Bible says. In the inner prison. And he was chained to the soldiers. Chained. Awaiting his execution. But the Bible says the church. The church. I don't know if they had more than one church in that town. Because back then they didn't worry about whether he was first church, second church, third church, you know. It didn't matter. You were the church. We were church of the redeemed. We were church where Jesus is Lord. I don't like titles. You know? You notice I don't call myself Reverend Clarence Dalrymple all the time. I am a reverend. You know? But I'm not into titles. I'm not Apostle Clarence Dalrymple or Prophet Clarence Dalrymple. Or, how many understand what I'm saying? Some people got so much pride in themselves, they stink. Amen. But God's got a way of humbling us too. Because <laughs> I believe that there's many men of God that's easy to get puffed up in pride. Somebody said, how do you know? Because I've been there. And I know firsthand what it is. And I know firsthand what it is for God to call you out. Hallelujah. And he didn't call me out publicly, but he had one of the men of God in my church come up to me one day and said, Brother Clarence, you're the greatest preacher we've ever seen and heard. And oh, my, my, they just, he was, I said, oh, yeah, a little more over here. Yeah, that was good. And he, then he began to weep. He said, but Brother Clarence. You're puffed up in pride. I put his hands down and said, what are you talking about? What you, what you mean? You know? I don't have pride. That's the first sign right there. 
When you say, I don't have pride. Don't talk about me, Brother Clarence. I don't have doubt and fear. I've got love. I mean, they say it just like that too. I've got love. I'm happy. I told one person one time, I said, well, tell your face about it, would you? <laughs> I can be a stinker sometimes. <laughs> but that day when that man told me I had pride, listen, you blared. I didn't accept it right that moment, but as I got in my car and drove off, the Holy Ghost got a hold of me and said, you better listen, buddy. That man knows, and I love you enough to send him to warn you. Hallelujah. I couldn't get over to that man's house quick enough. And I went out there weeping and sobbing, and we hugged each other, and I said, Brother, you're right. I said, pray for me right now. And I'll tell you what, God took care of the pride. Hallelujah. I should say, I took care of the pride by calling on the Lord to do it. Amen. But we have to acknowledge, and we have to do that in Jesus' name. That was free, by the way. But look, but look, they were in the they were in the church praying. The Bible said they prayed all night. Now, if we call an all night prayer meeting, most people when they have an all night prayer meeting, they want about ten pots of coffee there, cinnamon rolls, banana bread, homemade ice cream. <laughs> I'm saying all the things I love, you know. But we're going, come on, we're going to have an all night, it looks like you're going to have an all night party is what you're going to have. I thought prayer time was prayer time. I thought prayer time was when you shut everything else out and, you know, don't worry about your physical body right now. Let's, let's eat some spiritual food. And let's call on the Lord. And the church prayed all night long. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord just, you know, nothing can stop an angel. No walls, no doors, no locks. They come in and just loosen the chains from the soldier for Peter and said, Come on, Peter, follow us. They followed him out on the streets, went through the inner prison doors, all this stuff, ended up on the streets, and Peter thought he was dreaming. Then he realized, hey, <laughs> I'm out of jail. And he went to where the prayer meeting was, knocked on the door, and the little girl came to the door, and they, she saw Peter, and she screamed, ah, and ran back in. And I mean, you know, Peter's standing at the door, and he, he's here, he's here, he's here. They went out, and of course they were happy to see Peter. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. Fervent prayer. Amen? Y'all still with me? Fervent prayer. Praying fervently. Uh, fervently. What is fervent prayer? Is it where i got to loosen my tie and, you know, take off my tie and my coat because I'm getting fervently in prayer? No, no, no. It, it may be that you have to do that if you get fervently in prayer. But what I'm saying is fervently in prayer is where your spirit man you're fervent. I mean, your spirit man's on fire for God. You're not taking no for an answer. You're not taking an if or a maybe for an answer. You're fervently calling on the Lord. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen? Hmm. The Canaanite woman couldn't take no for an answer. Somebody, you know, well, you haven't been coming to church long enough to get the Holy Ghost. Or you haven't been coming to church, you haven't been saved long enough to be water baptized. The Bible said immediately they were baptized in the New Testament. Immediately they were baptized. Now, I think there's nothing wrong with having a little small class before the baptism and say, this is what you're doing. Do you understand what you're doing? 
This is what's taking place. Do you understand what's going on? I think we should get an... I think there's many people that don't have an understanding of why they're doing things. And we need to know. We need to have an understanding. Amen? And we, we need to understand what the Lord wants to do in our lives. Can you say praise God? Huh. That's fervent prayer. Cain and, the white, Cain and that woman couldn't take no for an answer. Some of us go, the Lord, hey, Lord, I need you to do something. What was that? Okay, Lord, I'll come back later. Cain and that woman wouldn't take no for an answer. She asked three times for her daughter's healing. Three times she went to Jesus. Three times she tried to get so he would do that. And you know what? Finally, she didn't give up. Because she understood the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is love. God is love. Can you say amen? Amen. (laughs) She not only received the healing of her daughter, but she was commended commended by by Jesus. And he said, woman, you have great faith. Great faith. Over in James 5, 17, 18, James gives us Elijah as the example of effective prayer and action. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Elijah was just like we are. How many ever read the feats of Elijah? And boy, we talk about Elijah. But how many also knows he was a coward one time? He was afraid one time. And Jezebel scared him to life. I mean, you know, she, he, just, he just went hiding from her. And another time he stood boldly in front of them. <laughs> you know, and then the next time, I will have your head. And he ran, ended up on a mountain, shivering. God came by, three different incidents, but God wasn't in any of those. Then all of a sudden, that still, small voice of the Lord came to him. I said, I want you to go down over here. There's 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. And there's one named Elisha. You're going to tap him on the shoulder and say, follow me. (laughs) And he's going to be your successor. And so Elijah went after all of this upheaval that he had in his life and his fear and his anger and all of these things that was happening in him. Finally, God got through with that still, small voice and said, this is what I want you to do. And look at what the Bible said about James 5.17. He, he had nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the rain produced its fruit. So the question is, what gave Elijah the boldness to pray that the rain would stop and then at his word start again. <laughs> you know, he prayed that a drought came and then all of a sudden he prayed again and the Lord said, remember when that rain came? He went out there and he asked his servant, he said, what do you see? Nothing. Go look again. What do you see? No. Oh, wait a minute. I, I see a small cloud out there coming up like a man's hand uh, and, it, uh, and it's getting bigger. And, and the Lord said, Better get your, gird up your loins there, you know, gird up your skirt there, Elijah, and take off. And the Bible said he outran the chariots that day as they were getting out of there. He outran, the, I mean, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He outran them. But what happened is God gave rain because he believed God. Amen? Elijah's prayer was based on the Word. See, all of Israel had turned away from uh, the Lord to worship Baal, the idol god of a a cruel heathen religion. And and up stands one solitary man, a totally unknown man, and boldly proclaims to the king that there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years. I mean, this is a bold prophet of God. And... And uh, But his authority was based on the promise and warning found in Deuteronomy eleven thirteen through 17. It shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then will give you the rain for your land, 
in its season, in the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil, and I will send grass in your fields for your livestock, that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, lest the Lord's anger be roused against you, and he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord's given you. I mean, listen, God, God's not playing games. How many believe God wants to answer our prayers today? Y'all still with me? Daniel discovered the secret. He poured out his heart and prayer before God that there's people, uh, that his people who had been taken out of their homeland. Now see, y'all remember the prophecy, the prophet when Jeremiah said, you're going to go into captivity? Jeremiah prophesied to them, said, you're going into captivity for 70 years into Babylon. Now Daniel wasn't living right there. He was in, in Jerusalem itself. And God had him arrested or whatever they did back then and took him into captivity. The three Hebrew children were in captivity. These were godly men and godly women. Now, some people didn't want to do the 70 years. They said they wanted to get some more prophets. Is there any other prophets out there? Uh, you, you know? Don't tell me about hell. I want to hear about heaven. You know. <laughs> Don't tell me about trials. I want to hear about great victories. But no. They tried to get a prophet. They tried to hire a prophet to come in and prophesy. But the Lord said, no. You might as well settle down. Build your houses. Have families. In other words, you're going to be there 70 years. You might as well just go ahead and just bloom where you're planted. Hallelujah. And they were there in captivity. Daniel was in captivity. The three Hebrew children were in captivity. The three Hebrew children saw the power of God move for them as they were thrown in the fiery furnace. Daniel saw the power of God move for him. He was put in the lion's den because he defied the decrees of the evil that was in the land that day. And they stood up for the truth and righteousness. But God intervened. But Daniel also discovered the secret. He understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord. He understood what God was saying. And uh, he set his face toward the Lord to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession. And said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We've done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke to your name, spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteous, but belong to you, but to the shame of face, as it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off, and all the countries to which you've driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they committed against you. See, there's a reason. How many knows there's a reason for consequences? There's a reason for blessings. The reason for consequences is disobedience. The reason for blessings is obedience. To obey God is better than sacrifice. Can you say amen? So Daniel began to speak to Israel. He understood. And Jeremiah 25, 1, 2. Now these are the words which the, of the letter that Jeremiah uh, the prophets uh, sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive to the priests, the prophets, and all the people from ne- whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. This happened after Jeconah, the king, the queen mother, uh, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and, and uh, uh, Jamaria, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat their fruit, take wives, beget sons and daughters. Hey, listen. Can I just insert something here? God 
has promised his children, his people, his believers, regardless of the rebellion in our country, if we're faithful to God, God will be faithful to us. We've got that promise that God will be faithful to us. And then he said, after the Lord says in verse 10, after 70 years are completed, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, that says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Now listen, some people have taken that scripture totally, totally out of context. God said, and they preach it this way, God has a plan for you. He does. But you know what? God had a plan for Israel, but they had rebelled. And they had to be 70 years in Babylonian captivity. But the Lord did say, I'm going to visit you and perform my good word towards you. I will visit you and perform my good word towards you. We have the promise from the Lord today, God's not going to leave us desolate. God's not going to leave us in this earth to be consumed by evil. Praise God. Uh, we, we have a, there's an exit sign for us. And it's, it's when you hear the trump of God sound. And there's an exit sign for us. One day, one day, I don't know how much evil we're going to see unleashed upon this earth before that trump of God sounds, but I do know one thing, that we've got the promise. Amen? I said, we've got that promise. An effectual prayer. This is what James said. The effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. And you know what we've got to do? Just say, Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. Now, God said that we're to pray for our country. We pray for our leaders. We intercede for those that's in authority. Amen. It's, it's our duty, our job to intercede for those in authority. Uh, second, first Timothy 2, 1 and 2. I exhort you, therefore, brethren, that the first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodness and honesty. Listen, I believe that we have a, we have a responsibility. The evil people are not going to pray for peace and safety. The, those that don't believe in God don't care. But we have a responsibility. As long as we're in this earth, we're the salt of this earth. I said, you're the salt of this earth. You're, you're, the, you're the reason for any blessing that our nation has is, the, is God's people right now. The blessings of the Lord. And he said we need to make intercession. The Bible said in Proverbs 21.1, said the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like the rivers of water. It means that a sovereign God can turn the heart of a king at any time and in any way. Listen, God can turn the hearts of evil ones. And we don't, they don't even know why they're doing things for righteousness sakes. Amen? God can still move. We, but we have, how many sees where we've got the power to pray to see God move in that fashion? We've got that power today. And the, we, we've got the power to pray that way. Supplications. Make supplications. And realize that a king's heart is in the, is in the hand of the Lord like the rivers. God can turn the hearts of evil dictators. God can turn the hearts of dictators that may not even turn to God, but God can turn their hearts to where they do good for God's people. Because we can pray. Every one of us have a right to pray. We have a privilege to pray. Amen? And I'll tell you what. I want to just say this right now, you know. Whether we believe in our president or not, you know, that's everybody's opinion. I don't try to persuade anybody. But I do know one thing. We need to follow after those that's trying to do good. Yeah. Trying to do good for our nation. Amen. And all the lies that are out there that are against 
our president today. No, he may not be the most perfect man, but neither are we. Amen? Neither are we. He may not be the most, but I'll tell you one thing. He believes in prayer, and he believes in surrounding himself with people that can pray. And that's what he's got is a council of ministries and people, good preachers around. Even right here in Dallas, one of our main preachers is on his council. And I'll tell you something. God can turn the hearts of kings. And we have a right to pray today. We can pray. We can pray for our country. You can pray. And listen, some of you may be in that boat that uh, the Canaanite woman was and thinking you're not worthy, you know. But all of a sudden you got your faith built up. Hey, Lord, I'm, I'm pressing through. I'm going to get what's mine because you said it and I believe it and that settles it. Praise God. Listen, God has everything for us this morning. But it's up to us if we're going to believe Him and believe God. And we're going to take some time to, tonight also. And to pray. But I want us to just bow our heads before the Lord right now and just, and, and let's just ask God to, you know, just, I, I mean, you know, we can't do it by ourselves, but we can pray together with everybody else that's praying today. And unite our faith with them, the millions of Christians around the world that are praying today for God to move supernaturally. And I believe we can do that in the name of Jesus. I want you just to pray in your own way right now. Just pray out loud. Pray silently. Pray however you want to pray. But we're going to bring them to the Lord. Father, we lift up our nation. We lift up our leaders. We lift them up to you in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that your word declares that you turn the hearts of kings whithersoever you will. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that even our legislatures and our congressmen and our senators, Lord, that those that have a, 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 a leaning towards evil, Lord, we thank you, Lord, you can turn their hearts. And Lord, we can, you can turn their hearts to do good. And Father, we just believe in you today. As we unite together in faith and thank you, Lord, that your word prevails, your word prevails. And Walter, we thank you that your truth prevails. The truth of God, the truth of the word, the truth of the gospel prevails in the hearts of people. And Father, we're just asking today that you move supernaturally, supernaturally. Lord, that when people open their mouth to speak evil, that only good can come out. God, they'll, they'll not even understand why they're doing it, but they'll begin to prophesy good when they're wanting to do evil. Father, we thank you that you can reverse everything in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just give you praise and we give you glory and we give you honor. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have of living in the United States of America. And Father, we lift up our nation. We lift up this nation. Lord, it was founded on godly principles. It was founded upon faith. It was founded upon the things of God. And Father, we thank you. It was people gave their lives for our freedom that we have today. And Father, we thank you that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. We can worship you freely. We still have the privilege of worshiping you freely. And Father, we're asking you today to just move in the hearts of people around this nation. God, we just thank you. You can stop the mouths of lions. You can stop those mouths of lions. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that your word prevails. Your truth prevails in the name of Jesus. And Father, we yield ourselves to you. We yield ourselves to you as members of the body of Christ. Lord, it's not us alone that's doing anything, but it's everybody uniting together around this nation, around the world. Lord, it's believing you for a great move of the Holy Ghost, a move of the Spirit of God in the hearts of people. Lord, it's going to take transformation to see the change come. It's going to keep people's minds transformed by the power of God. Their thinking's got to be transformed. Their hearts have to be changed. And God, we know that all things are possible. All things. God, if you can do that for Saul of Tarsus, you can do it for our congressmen and our leaders that are up there today in Washington and in the state of Texas, Lord, that are against godly principles. God, you can turn their hearts. And Lord, we just thank you today that you're moving supernaturally. Moving supernaturally. And Father, we just give you praise. And Lord, we just thank you for your peace that you give us. We get that we thank you for the peace that you can give us today. Let your peace settle over our hearts and over our spirits today, Lord. Let us see, let, it, let, let that peace of God be real. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, and we just praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, do you believe that today? Do you believe what we just prayed? 
Do you believe that God can change things? Now does He change things? He changes people. <laughs> and I'll tell you something. I believe that on the opposite side, whether we come to total agreement or not, I believe there's a lot of people on the opposite side that still stand for the right. And I tell you what, we need people to stand up and be bold. Be bold. Praise God. Be bold. Amen. And just be bold. Hallelujah. Why? Because we have a Lord. His name is Jesus. For He is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead. And He is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, you know, what we have to do now is say, you're my Lord. And also, realize that one day, without the grace of God in our lives, we would be in the same boat that all of these ungodly leaders are. <laughs> Amen. And a lot of them are there because of the fact that the ball was dropped somewhere down the line. We've got fatherless societies. The father figure is not even in the lives of many people. And that's the truth. I mean, things have changed in people's Minds and their thinking and what they want to believe and what they think is right and what they think is wrong. But I want to tell you something. Jesus is Lord. I said Jesus is Lord. He can do anything that we ask Him to do. And I want us to sing that song one more time. Just shut your eyes and say, You're my Lord. You're my Lord. You have risen from the dead, and you're my Lord. And my knee shall bow, and my tongue confess that Jesus. You're my Lord. Now take that hand next to you. You know, the Bible said, If any two shall agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done to the Father which is in heaven. I know a lot of times we look, we look at that agreement of prayer as one for a physical healing or a situation in someone's life. But I believe that God's people can unite together. And we can agree together. And we can be in a total agreement of prayer and faith right now for our nation. And we can agree right now that God's going to start revival. You know how it's going to start in Texas? It's going to start right here in Faith Assembly in Aubrey, Texas. And then it spreads out to other places. But it has to begin right here with us. Right here where we are. And as we get revived, and we realize that we're not just religious, but we're believers. We're Christians. We, we believe in what God has provided for us. It's ours in the name of Jesus. And I tell you what, this, the Bible said, if any two shall agree, it's touching anything. And I believe we can be in agreement. In our small group here, that's going to unite with a larger group. And those larger groups are going to unite with the larger groups until it spreads around the world. And we're in agreement. We're in agreement for God to send a move of God. Now I know, listen, we know things are going to happen in the end time. We know those things are going to take place. But you know what? We can still believe God for a move of God. A move of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I, 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 I think Will Graham was somewhere in, uh, in the Philippines. Was it the Philippines he was in recently? Or 
uh, one of those nations. And I, I mean thousands of people came to the Lord. Thousands. Listen, God's moving. God can do the same thing here in America again. It's a shame when countries have to send missionaries to America. <laughs> We're supposed to be sending missionaries over. But now we got missionaries coming here. But thank God. I welcome them. Amen. For you're my Lord. Lord, we agree together right now. You're my Lord. You have risen from the dead, and you're my Lord. And my knee shall bow, my tongue confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord. Well, let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you, Lord. You know, revival, somebody said one time, revival starts and somebody drew a circle and stood in the middle of that circle and starts right there in that circle. (laughs) It starts in our heart. Then it spreads. We get our church revived. I'm talking about revived. When I say revived, I'm talking about having that heart for God, that heart for the things of God, that heart for a move of the Spirit and what God wants to do. When I talk about a move of the Spirit, I'm talking about lives being transformed, changed, people delivered, set free. That's what it's about. And then we're going to see it spread. We're going to join together in unison with other churches when it's all over with. And I'll tell you what, God's going to just draw people in by His Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. Take that person's hand. Let's pray together. Lord, Lord, we just agree right now, Lord. You said if any two shall agree, it's done. We agree, Lord, for a move of Your Holy Ghost, a move of the Spirit of the Lord in this community, in this town, Lord, in this county. Lord, in this state, we thank you that you're moving by your Spirit. Lord, and we thank you that it's going to spread not only from around Texas, but around to the other states that adjoin us. And Lord, we just thank you for revival in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Turn to somebody and say, It's coming! We'll see you tonight at 6. God bless you.